You are listening to Natural Born Alchemist. Welcome to episode number 253 of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. Anyone who listened to this know who Edward Snowden is? I assume you do. But if you do not, Snowden is an American whistleblower who copied and leaked highly classified information from the NSA back in 2013 when he was a CIA employee. And his disclosures revealed numerous global surveillance programs that were run by the NSA, telecommunication companies and European governments and by the so-called Five Eyes Intelligence Alliance. And his whistleblowing prompted a cultural discussion about national security and individual privacy. And currently he is in exile in Russia. Some morons class him as a traitor. I class him as a hero and as an iconoclast. I want to play a 20 minute bit from the appearance Edward Snowden did on the Joe Rogan experience. From that three hour episode I think the bit I'm about to play is the most important part. So even if you heard the full interview I still hope you will enjoy this. You got a smartphone, right? You, you might be listening to this <laughs> on a train somewhere in, in traffic right now. The phone is turned off, or at least the screen is turned off. It's sitting there, it, it's powered on. And if somebody sends you a message, the screen blinks to life. How does that happen? How is it that if someone from any corner of the earth uh, dials a number, your phone rings and nobody else's rings? How is it that you can dial anybody else's number and only their phone rings, right? Uh, every smartphone, every phone at all, uh, is constantly connected uh, to the nearest cellular tower. Um, Every phone, even when the screen is off, you think it's doing nothing, you can't see it because radio frequency emissions are invisible, Um, it's screaming in the air, saying, here I am, here I am. Here is my uh, IMEI, I think it's uh, Individual Manufacturer's Equipment Identity, uh, and IMEI, individual uh, manufacturer's um, subscriber identity. I, I could be wrong on the, the breakout there, but the, the acronyms are uh, the IMEI and the IMSI, and you can search the, for these things. They're two globally unique identifiers that only exist anywhere in the world uh, in one place, right? This makes your phone different than all the other phones. Uh, the IMEI is burned into the handset of your phone. No matter what SIM card you change to, it's always going to be the same, and it's always going to be telling the phone network it's this physical handset. Then the IMESI is in your SIM card, right? And this is what holds your phone number, right? It's the, basically the key, the right to use that phone number. And so your phone is sitting there doing nothing, you think, uh, but it's constantly shouting and saying, I'm here. Who is closest to me? That's the cell phone tower. And every cell phone tower with its big ears uh, is listening for these little cries for help. And it compares notes 
uh, with the other uh, network towers and your smartphone compares notes with them to go, who do I hear the loudest? And who you hear uh, the loudest is a proxy for uh, proximity, for closeness, distance, right? They go, whoever I hear more loudly than anybody else, that's close to me. So you're going to be bound to this cell phone tower, and that cell phone tower is going to make a note, a permanent record, uh, saying this phone, uh, this phone handset with this phone number at this time was connected to me, right? And based on your phone handset and your phone number, uh, they can get your identity, right? Um, because you pay for this stuff with your credit card and everything like that. Uh, and even if you don't, right, it's still active at your house uh, overnight. It's still active, you know, on your nightstand when you're sleeping. It's still whatever. Uh, the movements of your phone are the movements of you as a person, and those are often uh, quite uniquely identifying. It goes to your home. It goes to your workplace. Uh, other people don't have it. And anyway, it's constantly shouting this out, and then it compares notes with the other uh, parts of the network. And when somebody is trying to get to a phone, it compares notes. Uh, the network compares notes to go... Where is this phone with this phone number in the world right now? And to that cell phone tower that is closest to that phone, it sends out a signal saying, we have a call for you. Make your phone start ringing so your owner can answer it. And then it connects it across this whole path. But what this means is that whenever you're carrying a phone, whenever the phone is turned on, uh, there is a record of your presence at that place that is being made and created by companies. It does not need to be kept forever, and in fact, there's no good argument for it to be kept forever, but these companies see that as valuable information, right? This is the whole big data problem that we're running into, and all this uh, information that used to be ephemeral, right? Where were you when you were eight years old, you know? Um, where were you? Where'd you go after you had a bad breakup? You know, who'd you spend the night with? Who'd you call after? All this information used to be ephemeral, meaning it disappeared, right? Like, like the morning dew, it would be gone. No one would remember it. But now these things are stored. Now these things are saved. And it doesn't matter whether you're doing anything wrong. It doesn't matter whether you're the most ordinary person uh, on earth uh, because that's how bulk collection, which is the government's euphemism for mass surveillance, works. They simply collect it all in advance in hopes that one day it will become useful. And that was just talking about how you connect to the phone network. That's not talking about all those apps on your phone that are contacting the network even more frequently, right? Uh, how do you get a text message notification? How do you get an email notification? How is it that Facebook knows where you're at? You know, all of these things, these analytics, uh, they are trying to keep track through location services on your phone, through GPS, through even just what wireless access points you're connected to, because there's a global constantly updated map. There's actually many of them of wireless access points in the world, because just like we talked about, every phone has a unique identifier that's globally unique. Uh, every wireless access point in the world, right? Your, your cable modem at home, uh, whether it's in your laptop, every device that has a radio modem has a globally unique identifier in it. Um, and uh, this is a standard term. You can look it up. Uh, and these things can be mapped when they're broadcasting in the air. Because, again, like your phone says to the cell phone tower, I have this identifier. The cell phone tower responds and says, I have this identifier. And anybody who's listening, uh, they can write these things down. And all those Google Street View cars that go back and forth, right, they're keeping notes uh, on whose uh, Wi-Fi is active on this block, right? And then they build a new giant map. So even if you have GPS turned off, right, uh, as long as you're connected to Wi-Fi, uh, 
those apps can go, well, I, I'm connected to Joe's Wi-Fi, but I can also see his neighbor's Wi-Fi here and the other one in this apartment over here and the other one in the apartment here. And you should only be able to hear those four globally unique Wi-Fi access points from these points in physical space, right? The intersection in between the spreads, the domes, of all those uh, wireless access points. And it's a proxy for location. The thing with shutting your phone off that is a risk is how do you know your phone's actually turned off? Um, it used to be uh, when I was in Geneva, for example, uh, working for the CIA, we would all carry like drug dealer phones. Uh, you know, the old smartphones, or sorry, old dumb phones, they're not smartphones. Uh, and the reason why was just because they had where you could take the battery out, right? right. And the, the one beautiful thing about technology is if there's no electricity in it, right, if there's, there's no go juice uh, available to it, if there's no battery connected to it, it's not sending anything because you have to get power from somewhere. You have to have power in order to do work. Um, but now your phones are all sealed, right? You can't take the batteries out. So there are potential ways that you can hack a phone where it appears to be off, but it's not actually off. It's just pretending to be off, whereas in fact, it's still listening in and doing all this stuff. But for the average person, that doesn't apply, right? And I got to tell you guys, they've been chasing me all over the place. I don't worry about that stuff, right? Um, and it's because if they're applying that level of effort to me, uh, they'll probably get the same information through other routes. Um, I am as careful as I can, and I, I use things like Faraday cages. I turn devices off. But if they're actually uh, manipulating the way devices display, um, it's just too great a level of effort, even for someone like me, to keep that up on a constant basis. Also, um, if they get me, I, I only trust phones so much. So there's only so much they can derive from the compromise. And this is how operational security works. Uh, you think about what are the realistic threats that you're facing that you're trying to mitigate. And the mitigation that you're trying to do is what would be the loss, what would be the damage done to you uh, if this stuff was exploited. Much more realistic than worrying about these things that I call voodoo hacks, right, which are like next level stuff. I wrote a paper on this specific problem. How do you know when a phone is actually off? How do you know when it's actually not spying on you? Uh, with a brilliant, brilliant guy named uh, Andrew Bunny Huang. Uh, he's an MIT PhD in, I, I think, electrical engineering, um, uh, called the Introspection Engine uh, that was published in the Journal of Open Engineering. You can find it online, um, and it'll go as deep down in the weeds, I promise you, as you want. We take an iPhone 6, uh, this was back when it was fairly new, uh, and we modified it so we could actually... Uh, not trust the device uh, to report its own state, but physically monitor its state to see if it was spying on you. But for average people, right, uh, this is academic. Uh, that's not your primary threat. Your primary threats are these bulk collection programs. Your primary threat is the fact that your phone is constantly squawking to these cell phone towers. It's doing all of these things because we leave our phones in a state that is constantly on. You're constantly connected, right? Uh, airplane mode uh, doesn't even turn off Wi-Fi really anymore. It just turns off the cellular modem. Um, but the whole idea is we need to identify the problem. And the central problem with smartphone use today is you have no idea what the hell it's doing at any given time. Like the phone has the screen off 
You don't know what it's connected to. You don't know how frequently it's doing it. Uh, Apple uh, and iOS, unfortunately, makes it impossible to see uh, what kind of network connections are constantly made on the device and to intermediate them, going, I don't want Facebook to be able to talk right now. You know, I don't want Google to be able to talk right now. I just want my uh, secure messenger app to be able to talk. Uh, I just want my weather app to be able to talk. But I just checked my weather. And now I'm done with it, so I don't want that to be able to talk anymore. And we need to be able to make these intelligent decisions uh, on not just an app-by-app -app basis, but a connection-by-connection -connection basis, right? You want, let's say you use Facebook, because, you know, for whatever judgment we have, a lot of people might do it. You want it to be able to connect to Facebook's content servers. Uh, you want to be able to message a friend. You want to be able to download a photograph or whatever. But you don't want it to be able to talk to an ad server. You don't want it to talk to an analytics server that, that's monitoring your behavior, right? You don't want it to talk to all these third-party things because Facebook crams their garbage uh, into almost every app that you download, and you don't even know it's happening because you can't see it, right? And this is the problem with the data collection use today is there is an industry that is built on keeping this invisible. Uh, and what we need to do is we need to make the activities of uh, our devices, whether it's a phone, whether it's a computer, whatever, uh, more visible and understandable to the average person and then give them control over it. So like if you could see your phone right now and at the very center of it is a little green icon that's your, you know, handset or it's a picture of your face, whatever. And then you see all these little spokes coming off of it. That's every app that your phone is talking to right now or every app that is active on your phone right now and all of the hosts that it's connecting to. And you can see right now once every three seconds your phone is checking into Facebook and you could just poke that app and then boom, it's not talking to Facebook anymore. Facebook's not allowed. Facebook's speaking privileges have been revoked, right? You would do that. We would all do that. If there was a button on your phone that said, do what I want but not spy on me, you would press that button, right? That button is not, does not exist right now. And both Google and Apple, unfortunately, Apple's a lot better at this than Google. Uh, but uh, neither of them allow that button to exist. In fact, they actively interfere with it because they say it's a security risk. And from a particular perspective, they, they actually aren't wrong there. Um, but it's not enough to go, you know, we have to lock that capability off from people because we don't trust they would make the right decisions. We think it's too complicated for people to do this. We think there's too many connections being made. Well, that is actually a confession of the problem right there. If you think people can't understand it, if you think there are too many communications happening, if you think there's too much complexity in there, it needs to be simplified. Just like the president can't control everything like that, if you have to be the president of the phone and the phone is as complex as the United States government, we have a problem, guys. Uh, this should be a much more simple process. It should be obvious. And the fact that it's not, and the fact that we read story after story, year after year, saying all your data has been breached here, uh, this company's spying on you here, this company's manipulating your purchases or your search results, or they're hiding these things from your timeline, uh, or they're influencing you or manipulating you in all of these different ways, that happens as a result of a single uh, problem. And that problem is an inequality of available information. They can see everything about you, they can see everything about what your device is doing, and they can do whatever they want with your device. You, on the other hand, owned the device. Well, rather, you paid for the device. 
but increasingly these corporations own it. Increasingly these governments own it. And increasingly we are living in a world where we do all the work, right? <laughs> we pay all the taxes. We pay all the costs. Uh, but we own less and less. And nobody understands this better than the youngest generation. The story of our lifetimes is how intentionally, by design, uh, a number of institutions, uh, both governmental and corporate, uh, realized it was in their mutual interest to conceal their data collection activities, to increase uh, the breadth and depth of their sensor networks that were uh, sort of spread out through society. Remember, back in the day, intelligence collection uh, in the United States, even in SIGINT, used to mean sending an FBI agent, right, to put alligator clips on an embassy building or, or sending in a, somebody disguised as, as a workman uh, and they put a bug in a building. Or they built a satellite uh, listening site, right? We, we call these foreign sat or foreign satellite collection. Uh, we're out in the desert somewhere. They, they built a big uh, parabolic collector um, and it's just listening to satellite emissions, right? But these satellite emissions, these satellite links, were owned by militaries. They were exclusive to governments, right? It wasn't affecting everybody broadly. All surveillance was targeted because it had to be. What changed with technology is that surveillance could now become indiscriminate. It could become uh, dragnet. It could become bulk collection, which should become one of the dirtiest phrases in the language uh, if we have any kind of decency. Uh, but we were intentionally um, this was intentionally concealed from us, right? Uh, the government did it. They used classification. Um, companies did it. Uh, they intentionally didn't talk about it. They denied uh, these things were going. They, they said, uh, you agreed to this, and you didn't agree to nothing like this. I'm, I'm sorry. We put that terms of service page up, and, and you clicked that. You clicked a button that said, I agree, because you were trying to open an account so you could talk to your friends. You were trying to get driving directions. You were trying to get an email account. You weren't trying to agree to some 600-page legal form uh, that even if you read, you wouldn't understand. And it doesn't matter even if you did understand because one of the very first paragraphs in it said, this agreement can be changed at any time unilaterally without your consent by the company, right? Uh, they have built a legal paradigm that presumes records collected about us do not belong to us. This is uh, sort of one of the core principles on which mass surveillance from the government's perspective in the United States is legal. And you have to understand that all the stuff we talk about today, the government says everything they do is legal, right? And, and they go, so it's fine. Our perspective as a public should be, well, that's actually the problem because this isn't okay. The scandal isn't how they're breaking the law. The scandal is that they don't have to break the law. And the way they say they're not breaking the law is something called the third-party doctrine. Now, third-party doctrine is a um, legal principle derived from a case in, I believe, the 1970s uh, called Smith versus Maryland. Um, and Smith was this knucklehead uh, who was harassing this lady, making uh, phone calls uh, to her house. Uh, and when she would pick up, he'd just, I don't know, sit there heavy breathing, whatever, like a classic creeper. Um, and, you know, it was terrifying, this poor lady. So she calls the cops uh, and says, one day I got one of these phone calls, and then I see this car creeping past my house on the street, and she got a, a license plate number. So she goes to the cops, and she goes, is this the guy? And the cops, again, they're, they're trying to do a good thing here. 
they look up his uh, license plate number, uh, and they find out where this guy is, and then they go, well, what phone number is registered to that house? And they go to the phone company, and they say, can you give us this record? And the phone company says, yeah, sure. And it's the guy. The cops got their man, right? Uh, so they go arrest this guy, and then in court, uh, his lawyer brings all this stuff up, and they go, um, you did this without a warrant. Uh, that, sorry, that was, that was the, the, the problem. Was They went to the phone company, and they got the records without a warrant. They just asked for it, or they subpoenaed it, right? Some lower standard of legal review. And the company gave it to him and got the guy. They marched him off to jail. Uh, and they could have gotten a warrant, right? But it was just expedience. They just didn't want to take the time. The small town cops, you can understand how it happens. They know the guy's a creeper. They just want to get him off to jail. Um, and so they made a mistake. But the government doesn't want to let it go. They fight on this. And they go, uh, it wasn't actually, they weren't his records, and so, because they didn't belong to him, he didn't have a Fourth Amendment right uh, to demand a warrant be issued for them. They were the company's records, and the company provided them voluntarily, and hence no warrant was required because you can give whatever you want without a warrant as long as it's yours. Now, here's the problem. The government extrapolated uh, a principle in a single case of a single known suspected criminal who had, they had real good reasons uh, to suspect was their guy um, and used that to go to a company and get records from them and establish a precedent that these records don't belong to the guy, uh, they belong to the company. And then they said, well, if one person doesn't have a Fourth Amendment interest in records held by a company, no one does. And so the company then has absolute proprietary ownership of all of these records about all of our lives. And remember, this is back in the 1970s. You know, the internet hardly exists in, in these kind of contexts. Smartphones, you know, don't exist. Modern society, modern communications don't exist. This is the very beginning of the technological era. And flash forward now 40 years, and they are still relying on this precedent about this one, you know, pervy creeper to go, nobody has a privacy right for anything that's held by a company. And so long as they do that, companies are going to be extraordinarily powerful uh, and they're going to be extraordinarily abusive. And this is something that people don't get. They go, oh, well, it's data collection, right? They're exploiting data. Uh, this is data about human lives. Uh, it is data about people. These records are, are about you. It's not data that's being exploited. Uh, it's people that are being exploited. It's not... Um, data that's being manipulated, it's you that's being uh, manipulated. And this, this, is, uh, this is something that I think a lot of people are beginning to understand. Uh, the problem is the companies and the governments are still pretending they don't understand or, or disagreeing with this. And this reminds me of something that uh, one of my old friends, uh, John Perry Barlow, who served with me uh, at the Freedom of the Press Foundation, I'm the president of the board. Uh, used to say to me, um, which is, uh, you can't awaken someone who's pretending to be asleep. The thing with shutting your phone off that is a risk is, how do you know your phone's actually turned off? The thing with shutting your phone off that is a risk is, how do you know your phone's actually turned off? It's people that are being exploited. It's not, um, data that's being manipulated, it's you that's being uh, manipulated. Which is, uh, you can't awaken someone who's pretending to be asleep.
Music was Perfect Machine from Shirobon's album Distant Reality. Please write a nice review on iTunes if you enjoy this podcast. Here's one from Alex 1002023090923. Wonderful companion when doing mindless work. Love this Alex fellow. He has the same name as me, but that's not the only reason. I was getting real tired of Sagliere saying you know and like all the time on the MAPS podcast and also talking over his guests. What a pain. Anyway, that's enough complaining about another podcast. Apologies. Great work. Love the variety. Keep it up. Don't stop. Well, thank you so much. And I'm sure I have some annoying expressions that I use as well repeatedly, you know. I actually interviewed Sagliari in Berlin face to face. Check that out in episode 174. I appreciate you love my work and the variety and that I should not stop. However, although I might not stop, perhaps I need to cut down. Doing one a week is very straining. It wouldn't be if I could pay my rent doing this, but I can't. Quite the opposite. I think next year I'll have to stop doing an episode a week and do them less frequently. I really appreciate if you want to become a patron, but I also understand if you don't want to be a patron anymore if you get less episodes in 2020. But hey, these are free and so far there are over 250 episodes on naturalbornalchemist.com forward slash archive. Uh, But if you enjoy the podcast and want to support it, please become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash naturalbornalchemist. I appreciate the gesture. I'll close with the track Catapult from the demo album Phone by Nameless Archive. I'll see you all next week. Take care. Freedom is in the mind. Society needs to catapult. Into the occult mm-hmm. With a positive media hysteria Regarding esoterica mm-hmm. Because only an ignorant prick equates it With something satanic Gnose is a path of freedom and peace, not panic. Mm. Don't think they lost track of you for a second. They got their RFI on you, and I reckon. Quick.
Something's a 